So now for our sermon for the day, Pastor Steve Andrews. Greetings, brethren. You'd have to be a living in a cave if you uh, didn't know it was election year. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you can't escape it anywhere, it's everywhere. And the tenure of our president, present president, that one's kind of hard to say, Barack Hussein Obama, is ending. And we will be having a new president beginning next year or sometime in January. I can't remember, remember the, the date. They, have a, they pick a date. It's like the 17th or something like that. And they, and they do the oath of office. And if you've ever noticed the oath of office, they have certain words that they say, but with on their hand, one of their hands, the Chief Justice will have a Bible that they have selected, probably one of their family Bibles or something like that, and they'll have a hand on it and they'll have their right hand up, and they will swear to do the words that they you know, present to them. To, and I could go through that, but I, I'll let you, what I would like to encourage you to do is to encourage your children to watch it, to listen to it, to take it in. No matter who is in there right now, I, I wouldn't even uh, venture to, to uh, say what's going on in this, uh, this election is totally different than, than anything that I've grown up and, and uh, seen over the years, and it's very interesting and very very profound, and I hope the things go well and everything works out. But in Numbers, the, the 30th chapter, and beginning in verse 2, and just one, actually just one verse, I'd like, to, I'd like to remind everyone here and everyone listening that there is a, there's something that goes along with when you swear. I think most people don't realize that God exists, and that God hears. God is paying attention. And when they, they put their hand on that Bible and they raise their hand and they swear, they take an oath. If a man, verse 2, if a man vow a vow to the Lord, okay, that's one, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. If you're um, ever called into jury duty, I've been there once. Some of you maybe <laughs> get called more than once. Um, you, um, you can actually get put into jail if you lie. If you tell them some kind of a lie, and you're not, and you because you have you have affirmed or you have sworn that you are going to tell the truth, and so when our leaders put their hand on that Bible, and they 
swear to do those things that, they, that the oath commands them to do, and they don't do them, does God hold them in judgment? I think he does. Now, it'll be for later judgment, maybe. But also, does it affect the nation that we live in? Does it affect us when they don't go by the oath that they've promised to keep? Well, I think it does. And it's not just the Democrats. It's the Democrats and the Republicans. It's, the, it's all of them. You know, our American forefathers were very wise. And I know why they were wise, and I'm going to read something out of uh, uh, a book that I, I really do like, and I've, I've, I've read it once, and I may go back refresh myself on it. Our American forefathers were very wise. They looked at um, the way that the king did things and realized that he had total power. If he was a good king, and we know that from our own studies of, of Israel, if he was a good king, things very, went very, very well. But if he was an evil king, things went very, very bad. And so our forefathers, our, our American forefathers, sat down and they argued. It wasn't something that came about without a lot of argument, without a lot of, of really arguing about how to set the government up in this United States when they, when they came together. It didn't come about without a lot of of, of sweat and stress and and there's some interesting shows out there I wish I just got to thinking about the one that I'd seen I can't remember whether it was on PBS or anything but they they had all of them in that room and they were you know they were voting and they were arguing and they were making all kinds of, of, of statements and you know there, there was a mixed group there was a mixed group there were Christians there were atheists there were uh, what we what we called um, uh, deist, you know, they believed in God but didn't really didn't know if they really believed everything in the Bible. But there were there was a strong contention of of Christians in that group, and they decided at that time to split the responsibilities of the government. Very wisely decided to split the responsibilities of the government to the executive to the legislative, and to the judicial branch. And we understand that every one of those has a particular thing that they are responsible for. And they're not supposed to step outside of that, of that uh, um, particular area of expertise. They are supposed to uphold their oaths in that area. Um, the judicial branch is supposed to make judicial determinations and not be legislators. The president is supposed to uphold the law that is in the land, and he is not to make the law. The legislators are supposed to be our representatives, and they're supposed to be making the law, and they're supposed to be controlling the, the purse. So we, we see in the beginning that there was a, a logic to how they set this government up. Well, today, we see some things that, um, that, that go against what, what, you know, what our original forefathers really had intended. But my hope is, and I don't know whether it'll come about, this is a big ship. If you were, if you were going to call America a ship, this is a huge ship. And it 
will take a great deal of turning. You know, ships, large ships have very small rudders. Very large ships take a long time to turn. Well, if this nation was to be turned around, it would take a great deal of sweat, trials, and tribulations to turn it around. Jesus gave us an example, um, you know, for you and I, and I believe this is what we should do when, when we're, we're confronted with that. When I was um, called up to jury duty, and I wanted to bring this up because I think that it's important for us to understand that. Let's go to Matthew, the, the fifth chapter. And by the way, my, my title today is Ancient Warnings for a Modern Nation. I would like, I would hope maybe that after they put their hand on that Bible, that they'll open it up. <laughs> you know, I hope that wasn't a Bible that they had laying on a shelf somewhere way up high and that it had a, lot, a layer of dust on it. And they finally had to get it down and, and dust it off so they could put their hand on it and, and swear to do what they're supposed to do. Let's hope that they open that up and that they read the words that God has for them. Because it could make a great deal of difference in this nation. Jesus says, though, in, in, in Matthew, the fifth chapter, when it comes to swearing, because I think it's pretty important because God holds people greatly accountable for what we say. Now, it may not come up into the, to the judgment day, but every word is accountable. So we see Jesus is giving us some examples in verse 33. Again, you've heard that it has been said by them of old, you shall not forswear yourself, but shall perform to the Lord your oaths. But I say to you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Neither shall you swear by your head, because you can't make one hair white or black. Well, I don't know. If you leave it long enough, you might be able to let it get black, uh, white. <clears throat> but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, which means yes or no. For what's, whatsoever is more than these comes of evil. Whatsoever more of these comes of evil. Um, if you are called for jury duty and they grab a whole bunch of you and put you in a big room, you better be talking to the, uh, to the uh, uh, court clerk that, that swears you in because he's going to bring everybody up and you know, say, raise your right hand and I'll swear. Well, <laughs> if you haven't asked him to, or, and then he can say or, or affirm if somebody tells him that, that you need to. And you can actually ask that and they will actually do that. It is part of our law. And then when you get into the jury and they put you on the box and grill you, <laughs> you can also affirm. And they will ask you the same questions. And you can affirm. And you can tell them those things. So it's a good thing. We, we, live in a, we live in a society that has some freedoms for us to worship, for us to, to believe in this, in, the, uh, in this way of life. You know, it's interesting that uh, Moses, through God's... Um, uh, instruction, gave all kings some good instructions, some good information. 
It's found in Deuteronomy, the 17th chapter. And it can be applied to our presidents, our legislatures, our judicial. Because they're all people that lead, that make decisions. Now, it might be a little hard in some areas to do that, but I think it's worth them reading it, to think about it. That God has said, if you have a king and he is to rule over this nation, this is what he should be doing. When you come into the land which the Lord, verse 14, into the land which the Lord your God gives you, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set up a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Now God had already made this, he already knew that the nation, that Israel was going to do that. He already knew it, so he had Moses write it down long before it ever happened. You shall in any wise set him a king over you whom the Lord your God shall choose. One from among your brethren shall you set king over you. You may not set a stranger over you which is not your brother. And if I remember right, there's something in the Constitution about choosing someone from our own um, country. But he shall not multiply horses to himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that they should multiply horses for as much as the Lord has said to you, you shall hereafter return no more that way. In other words, not making leagues with other nations for warfare. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Now we know that's against the law in this nation, but it hasn't kept some of the presidents from having other things on the side. We're all human. I mean, you go back and you look, and David and Solomon and all of those and the things that they did, and then you come to modern society and you say, wow, our presidents should be greater than that. Well, they're also human, and they also do things that they shouldn't be doing. And they also make mistakes. And like the Bible says, we should be praying for them, that they will change, and this nation will, will change. So you shouldn't multiply wives to yourself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he, be greatly, uh, he greatly multiply to himself silver or gold. Um, it's interesting that in the presidency, in this nation, there is in there that they, cannot, they should not take bribes. Now where do they come from? Where do you think these things come from? Where do you think these ideas from our forefathers came from. <laughs> well, if you begin to read more about it, you find out that they were reading this book. Um, some of them were reading it very, very um, deeply and strongly, and it, it, it became a very um, a part of their thinking and their, and, their, and their whole way of looking at this nation because they had read the book. So, Understanding that bribes can change a person. They can put that person into a, 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 a compromising position in this nation. Do not multiply to himself silver or gold. And it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law and a book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read therein the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord 
is God to keep all the words of this law and this, these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. It is interesting that in, and I can't remember, I, I, I had an article uh, and my, my printer ran out. <laughs> so I was going to read a little bit of it to you, but it was very interesting that one of the, um, um, one of the chief justices, um, I think his name was John Marshall, I'm not sure the first name, but I think his last name was Marshall. Uh, he, uh, in, in that chamber is um, Moses with the Ten Commandments. And if I remember right, it's also over the top of their uh, thing. So the Ten Commandments is, is a part of our nation. And it's been there for a very long time. Do they look at it? Do they think about it? Do they want to apply it? Do they see how important those Ten Commandments are. And we know there's a, there's a great movement going on in this country to get rid of all that has anything to do with Christianity or Judaism or anything that smacks of this word. And that's a shame because there is so much wisdom, so much wisdom for those who would take office and come into this kingdom or come into this office. In 1973... We did something very, very horrible. We passed a law called Roe versus Wade. We opened the door to destroying, I think it's up to like 65 million. I don't know what, that's, that's quite a bit. That's a lot of people. There was an impassioned plea. Let me read the scriptures first. Let me, let's, let's go to God's word first, and, I, and then I'll relate this uh, news, news thing that I just was reading. Uh, and actually listened to her, and it was very interesting. In Leviticus, the 20th chapter, God makes this, these statements. Beginning in verse 2. He said again, and you shall say to the children of Israel, whosoever be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel that gives any of his seed to Moloch, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man and I will cut him off from among his people because he has given his seed to, the, to Moloch to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. You know, when you destroy... And we know that there are instances uh, where babies are not born because of different things. But when it's something that they plan on doing to destroy the unborn, these people would run their children, their young children, into fire to worship the god Moloch. And God said that was an abomination. He hated it, and he hated the people that did it. And if the people of the land do anyway, hide their eyes from the man when he gives his seed to Moloch, 
and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut him off, and all that go a-whoring after him to commit whoredom with Moloch from among their people. And he talks about familiar spirits in the next sentence. In Jeremiah, the 30th chapter, once again, God created us, male and female, and the image of God created us. 30, verse 35, Jeremiah. Oops. You know, I got that wrong again. <laughs> Why did I do that? Anyway, that's not the right one. Maybe it's 3530. I, um, 3430? It may be. Anyway, uh, it's the same, exactly the same. And, and God, uh, once again, enrates that he... Um, anyone that sends their children into the fire of Moloch will be condemned. He hates that. He, it's an abomination. And anyway, I wanted, to, I wanted to bring out this because I thought it was very profound, very interesting. This uh, young lady was, um, I don't know, I didn't quite understand where she was making her statements. Maybe before Congress, maybe before just a, uh, a body of, of legislators or something, but she um, had survived an abortion. She had been in the womb for 18 hours with a saline solution to destroy her, to kill her. And, um, and she said if the abortionist was there, she wouldn't have survived. But for some reason, the abortionist was late, and she survived. And of course, she gives a graphic example of what he would have done if she'd have, if she'd have been alive when he uh, was born, when she was born. Now, she didn't come out of it without a problem. She has cerebral palsy. And the young lady says, it's a gift. Can you imagine someone saying that having cerebral palsy was a gift? And she praises Jesus for her life. I was uh, extremely touched by what she was saying. And she was only two pounds. But one of the nurses took pity on her and took her to the hospital. And she survived. And she's a brave woman. She's a brave woman to take up this fight to, the, to, the, to Congress or wherever she was. And I, it, was, it was so profound. I was just... I, you know, I, I was just, uh, my heart was, was just for her. And I'm glad she survived. You know, our nation has been greatly blessed. Early settlers that, uh, you know, the, ten, the 13 colonies, they didn't have the foggiest idea. You know, they didn't have airplanes and cars and all of the different things that we have today uh, to go out and look and see what's going on. They had to walk or they had to ride a horse. So they sent um, pioneers. They sent uh, um, 
guys with a, a great deal of uh, steel to go out and look at the country. Uh, Lewis and Clark, Kate Carson, different ones, would, would go out and they would find out what was in this country. You know, they, they just landed on the East Coast. <laughs> of course, the Spaniards have been here and the French have been here and different things, but they, they landed on the East Coast. They set up 13 colonies. And we have this spirit about us that has got to go and, and check things out, I guess. There must be something in, in the, the human spirit. Let's go look. Let's go find out what's out there. And so they, they moved and they found out that this country was filled with wonders, great blessings, tremendous blessings. There was resources out there that we have been benefiting from for a very long time. Let's look at the blessings that God promised Israel. And think about the blessings that he's given to us. And I think our forefathers knew that this nation was something very, very special. And they wanted a, a great blessing on it. Let's go to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. And I could go into great detail about many different things. But I just wanted to hit the highlights today in the scriptures. Because the important thing is the warnings and things that are in here and the blessings that are in here. These leaders should understand that. They should, should know that the Bible is filled with encouragement when people understand about it, but it's also filled with warnings. And eventually those warnings will catch up to the nation, especially if it falls apart. In Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, beginning in verse 1, he said, if it shall come to pass if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you shall hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Do you? Now, I, I don't know whether there's, I, I, maybe I need to read some more history. But I'm sure that some of those men had read this that were sitting in that Continental Congress. They saw the blessings. They said this nation is a tremendous blessing and God's going to bless us. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your cattle and the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be the basket of your store. Blessed shall, shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They shall come against you one day and flee before you seven ways. Brethren, we were losing in this, in this world on World War II. God opened the door so many times for our, our people, our nation. He was fighting. He, he didn't want that evil Hitler to get... You know, to take over. And we, we won. The Lord shall command the blessings upon you in your storehouses and all that you have set your hand to, and he shall bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. 
The Lord shall establish you a holy people to himself, as he has sworn to you, and if you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord shall make you plenteous in goods, and the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your cattle, and the fruit of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. I know there's a great um, movement right now um, to move away from the nasty oil and gas and you know, coal and all of those things. But brethren, without those things, we wouldn't have the modern society that we have today. Frankly, we would be um, we would still have horses and buggies and things like that. You don't know how many, how much of the society that is put together that we live in in a comfortable way is based on the oil industry and the and the oil and gas and coal and different things. You know, when they when when the thirteen colonies were there, they used to kill <clears throat> they used to kill uh, whales. The early, early oil was whale oil for lamps and things. And so they would go out and they would butcher whales. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, whaling was, a, was a, big, a big part of the United States for a while until that, that pool of oil showed up in Pennsylvania or someplace. I can't remember where it was now. But there was a pool of oil that was sitting on the ground. And man, that thing, I can't stand that stuff. Every time we get. You know, I throw a match at it, it burns. <laughs> they finally realized, hey, wow, if I take that stuff, it might work in my lamp. And sure enough, it did. And that became the next industry, uh, lamp oil. And then they began to refine it, and it became a part of the industry. It expanded the industry that we have in different ways. It's a fascinating thing. So the oil and gas industry and the things that we have, of course, uh, I, I do have a little uh, uh, feeling for that since I've been in it most of my life. But I understand. I see the benefits that God gave this nation the tremendous blessings. And we have taken advantage of them. And maybe we haven't been as thankful for them as we should be. He said, and we just read that. The Lord shall make you plenteous in goods. You don't have to go. If you go into a store, um, if you want to know how communism worked, read the articles about Venezuela. They had a picture of a poor girl down on the ground looking in the garbage. She couldn't find any food. There wasn't any. So she was raiding the garbage cans and trying to see if she could find some food. If you really want to know how communism worked, Please read the articles about Venezuela. That was one of the richest nations, one of the most beautiful places to live in the world. I was actually born there, <laughs> for those of you that didn't know. And my mom says that there was everything. There were fruit off the trees, and they, they had no lack of anything. And it was a beautiful place. But the communists have managed to, to, um, to ruin it. Now the people are rioting. They want food, and there's not any food. And the, so the government's taken over. We live in a plenteous thing. If you walk into the store, what do you find? The stores are full. If you go to Russia, what do you find? The, the stores are empty. 
God has truly, and I hope that people understand that this is a blessing from God. Well, yeah, we work, but the, the resources, the things that, that we have are from his blessings. He opened this nation up for us. I mean, we could have had, we could have had the French, the Spanish, the Russians. We could have had all kinds of nations taking this, this country up. For some reason, God wanted this nation to be one solid, complete nation. And we know why, because the, the truth has gone out from this nation. We have published the Bible in so many different languages and spread it all over the world. And we've had missionaries going to places and die and be eaten But they were compelled to go there because they believe what God's saying to go you into all the world and preach this gospel. And this nation has opened the doors so that we can do that. As I promised earlier, I would like to read a little bit out of a, a book. It's called John Adams and the American Revolution. And it's only just a short paragraph or two. But Sometimes we don't realize that, um, that some of these men actually went to school to be ministers. <laughs> they didn't want to be politicians, they wanted to be ministers. But they saw the need, and they were very articulate, and they could write. And so they became, and they were out to, to do that. This is called, uh, and by the way, the, the author, I would like to, it's a very good book, Catherine Drinker Bowen. Um, John Adams and the man, Mary, he, uh, the picture of him is, uh, he's, he wasn't all that uh, handsome, but <laughs> he, was, he was quite an individual. He says, John Adams loved it when uh, two professors chafed each other over in class, sending out oblique insults concerning each other's methods. As a matter of fact, although their teachings were so different, the two pursued a like goal. Now, by the way, the, he went to Harvard, and uh, this, the, he's talking about the, the classes and things that, in Harvard, uh, which is totally different than anything that he ever went to today. And in spite of the grumblings and the threats from the overseers and legislatures, neither professor transgressed the aims for which Harvard existed. According to the statement of 1643, the college had been designed not solely for the training of gospel ministers, but for the advancement of all good literature, arts, and sciences. It was true the New England fathers had greatly desired an educated clergy and had looked to Harvard to supply it, but their broad purpose had indubitably been the advancement of knowledge, not only for individuals, but for the new world. All the fanaticism of the Mathers, father and son, had not been able to make the college into a theological seminary. The main end of the scholar's life and study, said the early Harvard rules and precepts, is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Therefore, to lay Christ in the, uh, the bottom of the only foundation of all sound, knowledge, and harmony. I think they should have kept that uh, even today. By John Adams' time, the words were gone officially from the college laws, yet their spirit brooded benignly over the establishment to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. As a principle of action, there was nothing here to preclude the deepest uh, scholarship and the widest experimentation 
within the boundaries of such a law, both Rentrop in science and Wiggleworth in divinity could function freely. They were men who believed in God and were happy to make their faith manifest. Here was a college in which they, they, they taught divinity and science and it was, they were harmonious. They were harmonious in what they were teaching. And John Adams was a part of that. And so, the, and so you know that it began to affect his, own, his thinking and his, his ability uh, uh, to be a part of the Continental Congress. Um, John Winthrop searched out the Holy Spirit through the marvels of science and the new inductive method. The heavens still proclaimed the glory of God. The fact that the telescope and calculus permitted man to trace the actual course of the planets did not detract from his glory, but only enhanced it. For Winthrop, there was no war between scriptural authority and the experimental method. To those who attempted to create such a war, he turned. If they were townspeople and indifferent ear, if they were students, he referred them to the textbook or apparatus. And so you see the kind of world that John Adams was living in. It was filled with this word. It was filled with the, the, law, the knowledge of, of God and science and arts and all of the different things that were a part of it. Today, you know, colleges are kind of forced if they take in money from, from the government to do whatever the government says. Or they get money taken away from them. So if they, uh, they told they have to have transgender, you know, have to have open bathrooms, they go open bathrooms. If they have, uh, if they have to do uh, certain things, uh, the government says, well, they do it. They don't stand for the principles of the Bible unless they want to be separate. And a lot of there's a few colleges that do that. And they just want to be separate from it. You know, John Adams, John Adams carried that to the Continental Congress. And I come to my, I come finally to my point. <laughs> God also pronounced dire warnings. Called curses in the Bible to those who ignore God and his law. Dire warnings. If there truly is a God, they will come to pass. And they, they are beginning to affect this nation. Now, I, I went through, and I've, I've told this more than once, I went through a lot of things when I was a, a teenager. I saw uh, many different things. I saw uh, the Vietnam War. I saw riots in the streets. And so there's nothing new about riots in this nation. Uh, those things had happened many times, and um, some of it was over the Vietnam War. Other things were over racial relationships, different things that happened in this nation. And we've come by and come out and healed and, and, and gone on. I'm just hoping that that's the case and that there will be a peace again so that we can continue to preach the gospel and the good news of the kingdom of God. It's interesting in Deuteronomy, the 27th chapter, as they were preparing to go over into Jordan, Moses had this, and he was inspired by God to say this. And Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you this day. And it shall be on the day when you shall pass over Jordan to the land which the Lord your God gives you, that you shall set up, a great, uh, up great stones and plaster them with plaster. You shall write upon them all the words of this law when you are passed over. 
that you may go into the land which the Lord your God gives you, a land which flows with milk and honey, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you. Therefore it shall be when you have gone over Jordan that you shall set up those stones which I commanded you this day in Mount Ebal, and you shall plaster them with plaster. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not lift up an iron tool upon them. And you shall build the altar to the Lord your God and whole stones, and you shall offer burnt offerings thereon to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings. You shall eat thereof and rejoice before the Lord your God. You shall write upon those stones all the words of this law very plainly. And Moses and the priests and the Levites spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and hearken, O Israel, this day you are become the people of the Lord your God. You will therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, do his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day. Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you are come over Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand upon the Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say to all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be that man that makes a graven molten image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and puts it to the secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. So this was for all of the congregation of Israel. And they were to listen to this. And they were to say, Amen. We agree. We agree with what you said. These are very important even for us today. Cursed be he that sets a light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. That means to disgrace or dishonor his mother and his father. We have that going on today. We have children killing their parents. I can't, it's, it's unfathomable that a child would kill his parents. I just can't, I just can't, uh, it's hard to me. Cursed be he that removes his neighbor's landmark. And all the people should say, Amen. For God, landmarks were very important. That separated the individual people and their land and their possessions. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of property was the original. Not happiness. It was property. Because part of the happiness is to have something, you know, that you've got that you could live in rather than living on the streets or living in caves and things like that, but you have property, you build a house, you live there. So that's part of what was in the Constitution. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. Cursed be he that removes his neighbor's landmark. Cursed be he that makes the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say, Amen. There were a lot of rules in the Bible about treating those with problems with well, it's come down into us, hasn't it? We reach out to those that have disabilities and problems, and we help them, we take care of them, and we, we do things for them. And that comes from God's Word, because they, it's been read, and they understand it. And it's a blessing to the nation when they do that. And when they don't do that, it's a curse to the nation. Cursed be he that perverts the judgment of the stranger, fatherless, and the widow, and all the peoples will say, Amen. Cursed be he that lies with his father's wife because he uncovers his father's skirt and all the people shall say amen. 
Uh, I don't know whether there was a great problem with incest, but there's an awful lot of that about, about that in um, the Bible. And I noticed that we are beginning to have problems with that in our nation today. Cursed be he that lies with a man, uh, uh, with any man or a beast. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that lies with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that smites his neighbor secretly. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he, uh, cursed be he that takes reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. Today, we actually arrest those, and, and if they have, um, if they have uh, bribed someone to murder someone, they become, uh, 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 become a part of that murder, and they can go to jail just the same as the murderer. Because the intent was there, wasn't it? To murder. He just didn't want to do it. He wanted somebody else to do it. The intent was there. Cursed be he that confirm, confirms not all the words of the law to do them, and all the people shall say, Amen. There are a few more curses in here that I'd like to read, and I'm going to just do this pretty quickly. And, and uh, um, Let's look at a few more. Because that's exactly what we need to, to do. Even though they're hard, they're hard to, to read, and they're hard to, 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 to put into your heart. If you know that God says these are wrong to do, then you know that you don't do them. And if you're a nation and you know these are wrong to do, then you don't do them either. You, you understand that and you stay away from those things. Um, I have a few of them here. Verse 16 of, of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. I picked this one because we are having a great deal of problems in the cities, aren't we? The inner cities are becoming a, a very troublesome thing. And we're having problems between um, not just, I mean, it's, it's, it's everything in a crowded city. You have interactions. You have police. You have uh, citizens. And there seems to be a lot of problems there. And they need to be resolved. Or we will continue to be cursed in our cities. We will continue to be. And not... And not to, um, and I'm sure there's great grievances that need to be resolved, but you don't destroy everybody's property while you, while you resolve those. You don't destroy the city uh, thinking that you're going to resolve all of the problems. You don't do that. Beginning of verse um, 27 and 28, he said, The Lord will smite you with the the botch of Egypt and with the emeroids and with the scab and the itch and whether uh, you can be healed and the Lord shall smite you with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. And I just want to read uh, I'm, you read some of these you get pretty depressed after a while realizing that hey some of this stuff is actually happening in our nation. Now we have a lot of people in this country and we have some sicknesses and different things so we need to understand that those happen but there are things that are being going on that, that are very strange, like the, uh, the madness and the blindness and the astonishment of heart. People are doing things that I don't ever remember them ever doing, going crazy and killing people and doing strange, strange things and, and um, just being acting strange. And I think it's a drug problem. And I think a lot of it is, is that. And <laughs> we've had a war on drugs since when? 
<laughs> since John, Johnson was one, I think started the war on drugs, or maybe it was I, maybe it went even one further back. I don't know, but <laughs> we have not solved the war on drugs. In fact, it's even worse, and we have horrible drugs out there that cause people to have terrible um, delusions and things and stuff that happens in their lives, and it's awful. The society that we live in today is just terrible. You shall betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, and you shall not dwell therein. You shall plant a vineyard, and you shall... This is verse 30. Sorry about that. Verse 30. You shall uh, not gather the grapes thereof. That might happen. We know that there's a lot of things going on in, in marriages today, and, and, and it seems like there's just a, a, a dearth of understanding about... Um, uh, you know, the relation between a man and a woman. Verse 31, Your ox shall be slain before your eyes, and you shall not eat thereof. Your ass shall be, a, uh, shall be violently taken away from before your face, and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be taken to your enemies, and you shall have none to rescue them. You know, if we, come, if we become a, a communist or socialist country, the government can take anything. They can remove all of your, of, of your goods and stuff and say it's part of the government's needs. And you won't have any property. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long. And there shall be no might in your hand. The fruit of your land and all of your labors shall a nation which you know not eat up and you shall um, be only oppressed and crushed always so that you shall be mad for the sight of your eyes, which you shall see. The Lord shall smite you in the knees and the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed, from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. You want to read all of that? You're welcome to. There's a lot of curses in there. And they were directed at Israel when they walked over into the, into the promised land, into Jordan. They were going to have to fight for their life and for their property because there were a lot of these different nations in there. Some of them were giants. God said, I will fight for you. He said, no, I like the sword. I love the sword. I want to fight. So God says, okay, I'll leave you fight, but you have to fight on my terms. But I want you to, to, get, I want you to move all these nations. This is your land. I'm giving it to you. I'm the creator, I, uh, it's, it's yours, I'm giving it to you. And so they pushed them out. Well, God gave them these instructions for their benefit. And we know the history. They got down to the point where they, they wanted a king. Well, in Israel, all the kings were bad. In Judah, they had good kings and bad kings. God finally got tired of Israel, took them up to Assyria. He finally got tired of Judah, and the Babylonians came in and took them over. Well, thankfully, God is very merciful. And we may be the benefit of the Assyrian captivity. And we've always believed that uh, God moved Israel west and kept moving them west. And we kept moving west until we ended up far west, <laughs> at the shores of America. Beautiful thing. God's word can be a tremendous instruction. But we have a responsibility ourselves, don't we? This is individual responsibility that we need to have. 
Marvelous read this last week, but I wanted to read it again. Or I'm not sure when, but we've, we've been reading this quite a bit lately, and I think it's important that we read it because these are profound words. This is Peter, 1 Peter 3, beginning in verse 8. He says, Finally, be you, all of you, one mind, having compassion one for another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. I'm telling you these things because the day may come when we, we need the love of brethren. We need the strength of one another. We, we might need uh, to call upon one another in the stress that might come upon this nation. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that you are there unto call, that you should inherit a blessing. And we're going to inherit eternal life, brethren. That is the greatest blessing. For he that shall love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil his lips, that they may speak no guile. Remember what Jesus said. When it comes down to, to it, yes and no. If you can make it that simple, it's a lot better than getting yourself in trouble. And especially when you're talking to the policeman. Yes, sir. No, sir. Do what you can to be as, as considerate and kind to them. They're on edge. I can guarantee you that. Let him eschew evil, do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it, or pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are all over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That's what I'm saying. There is, he has never given up looking in on what man, mankind is doing. He's always there looking in on what mankind is doing. Let's see how far I want to go. And who is it that he will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, as evildoers, they may be ashamed and falsely accuse you your good conduct in Christ. For it's better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. You know, a Christian that gets pulled over and, and stopped because he is, you know, doing something evil, that's a shame. That's a real shame. But if he's innocent, he hasn't done anything wrong, it will come out. And will be found. And he's innocent. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh. But quickened by the spirit. By which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Which sometimes were disobedient. And once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While in the ark was preparing. Wherein few the souls. The like figure wherein to... Even baptism does also now save us. But the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. Amen.